Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, compassionate caregivers. I'm Martha Tyler. And I am Katie Anderson. We are the hosts of the Compassionate Caregiver Podcast. We believe the most profound impact we can have on the lives of children is by supporting, educating, and caring for the people who care for the children. And that is you! This week, we are talking about the hidden impact of resolutions. And just to make you all aware as an audience, as a content warning, we will be talking about our bodies, weight, shame, things that are really kind of tied up in how we look. And that is a very difficult thing for a lot of people, especially caregivers. A lot of times we take care of ourselves last. And so it can be difficult to discuss these things. Be sensitive with yourself. If you need to take a break, take a break. If you don't want to listen to this episode, skip on over it. Yeah, we love you. We'll see you soon. Uh, But we want to remind you before you go, you're beautiful and we love you. And you don't need to modify yourself to be loved. Exactly. Oh, so well said. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I I wanted to talk about this topic because every January <laughs> we have... We lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. We lie to other people. <laughs> um, and we, we do this thing as a culture called resolutions. Yes. And they're very like loud and they're very public. Um, and kids are always watching. Yes. And, and more so our inner children are also watching. Mm. And I think it's a very painful and shame ridden experience too. It either setting the resolution, uh, indicates that you did something wrong before or setting the resolution and not being able to uphold it, which to be honest, a lot of us are making resolutions that are, leap years ahead of where we are emotionally, physically, time-wise. And so sometimes resolutions need to be very tiny. I don't know if you've read the book Atomic Habits, Martha. I haven't. I also haven't. So that's our next book club. Great. But they talk about in that, I've heard many podcasts about it. It's like the resolution is not, I will floss my teeth every day. The resolution is I will floss between one tooth every day. Or like, I'll do it once a day, I'm going to floss this one tooth, and then you do that for a month, and then now I'm going to floss two teeth. And so it's building up these tiny micro habits Mm -hmm. to make it more digestible. So often we're just like, I'm going to exercise forever. Every day I'm going to get up and spend two hours at the gym. Or like Martha mentioned earlier when we were discussing resolutions, like, I'm going to spend a bunch of time outside. It's like, what does that actually look like? How can you achieve that? Yeah, yeah. So I think... Let's let's actually start off with like the how, why, and who of goal setting. Yes. Um, so let's. I I said that in the wrong order. Let's start with the who. So, but in reverse. But in reverse. <laughs> reverse. Reverse. Um, yeah. So when we are setting goals, and some some folks do set goals just for themselves, and then there are other folks who set goals as a family. Sure. Um, and tricky, slippery slope. It's very tricky. Just who can we control again, Martha? Just ourselves? <laughs> Is that still true? Ourselves. Okay. Wow. That's going to be a tough one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so when we set goals as a family, while 
I am a huge fan of like family meetings and checking in as a family. When we set goals as a family, we really have to keep in mind who we are setting those goals for. Yes. Yes. And perhaps maybe not even goals, but intentions. Yes. Like this is our desire as a family. Yes. Yes. Take we would like pressure more off of it. this yeah. or less of that yeah. as a family. Um, more pizza. Less not pizza. Yeah. I think that's my family's intention I for myself. That's <laughs> a fantastic intention. <laughs> I think, thank you. <laughs> Thinking about dinner for tonight already. So, yeah. 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 But I think where a lot of families um, are not setting themselves up for success sure. is when they are setting goals for as a family without checking in with everyone. Yes. And it comes from trying to control, lovingly control, but control the people that you love. And that is very difficult. Again, like we just said, we joked about it. The only person you have control over is yourself. And that is very freeing. It's very liberating if you can embrace that idea. And also it makes life very difficult because that's hard. Yeah. So when we're setting goals, can we set them for other people, Martha? No, we really can't. (laughs) What if, what if we find ourselves setting goals for other people? What do we do then? What's like the next step for us? Yeah. So I think that that gets into the, the why question. Like, why are we trying to set goals for somebody else? Yeah. Um, and I, I also think we have to check in with the why, even if you are the only person you're setting the goal for, but when you're setting goals for other people, why are you doing that? Is it that you've noticed something mm-hmm. um, that feels off or feels um, unsafe? Unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the book, The Explosive Child, I think it's by Daniel Green, but I'm not positive about that. <laughs> Fact um, check us and email us, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, in The Explosive Child, he talks about having like different buckets for wanting to set rules or set changes guidelines guidelines absolutely and things and talks about like bucket a is safety and that is like you can't really budge on safety yes not negotiable not negotiable um and then the second bucket though is like things that would be nice like behavior (laughs) behavior sure um but you can't do all of those at the same time and so much of behavior desires from the caregivers is it's about us you guys it's because the way that the children are acting we have this lie it's it's a lie Mm -hmm. that they're the behavior of the child reflects on you Mm -hmm. and i would argue that pretty much most people in early childhood in either caregiving or education or you know, a therapist would argue that the, those are separate boundaries, actually. Those are different things. And you can be a wonderful caregiver and have your child throw a tantrum. Oh, yeah. And in fact, it happens yeah. all the time, all over the world. Yeah. Somewhere in the world, a child is having a tantrum in front of their wonderful caregiver right, right now. now. So every 10 seconds, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see the stats on that. I would, too. Yeah. I bet it's pretty close. <laughs> that is very interesting. But yeah. And... So one of the things that I personally do is um, this thing called the Wheel of Intentions, yeah. which there are a lot of different versions. The version I use is um, created by a person named Kimothy Joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, one of the steps is called Ego Check. Mm-hmm. So when you are creating an intention, 
this method of doing it is like, let's ego check this. Like, yeah. why do, why do you have this intention? Um, and a lot of times I have discovered in doing that exercise, like, oh, I'm doing this because I am missing a sense of belonging or I'm doing yes. this because I want my persona to look different yes. than it does right now. Trying to avoid some kind of pain or mm-hmm. um, embarrassment. We talked about that when we were going through our positive discipline training. Martha and I are both um, certified positive discipline parent educators. Mm-hmm. And there are these four things that people like to avoid. And one of them is like, I don't want to look unintelligent. I don't want to feel disconnected. I can't currently remember the other two. Yeah. Those were my two big ones. Those are my two big Unwa- ones. Unwanted sure. pain, I think, was the other one. Yeah. And then there's another one that I can't remember. But um, we will look those up, you guys. And Maybe out of control? I think that might be right. Yeah. Um, and so we do, the way we behave is to prevent ourselves from feeling these things. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a mistaken goal. Like kids, they have yeah. mistaken behavior. These are our mistaken goals. And they are often what's causing strife between us and children is because we want to control we want to look intelligent or well prepared we want to avoid unnecessary pain or um you know we just want to be caregivers in the way we imagine it and that's not always possible yeah in fact i i i would i would say that it's never possible to be a hundred percent that's fair the yes. caregiver that you imagined yes. you would be and also that's normal and that's good yes, it's because very good. <laughs> your child is not a robot and nope. they will not always, even things that work sometimes will not work all the time. So you must always be self-reflective, see how you're contributing, um, see how the child is contributing because a lot of times it's, it's a kind of a tug back and forth between they said or did something and now I'm reacting this way and that caused them to do this and that caused me to react this way. And so you're going back and forth with this kind of a dance of, emotional interaction yeah absolutely and so just checking in on that on that why I think can be really important and that is for family goal setting and individual goal setting and individual goal setting absolutely um so often someone is profiting off of you feeling bad about yourself um Martha again queen of book club (laughs) and we read we read Come As You Are, mm-hmm. um, and we read Burnout. Mm-hmm. And in one of those books that were written by the same author, mm-hmm. um, they talk about like who who is making you feel bad. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you are feeling bad, someone in this industry is making money off of you. Is it cosmetics? Is it the hair industry? Is it clothing? Who is it cars? Who's making you feel bad? And if you kind of view those moments like that, it kind of releases you from some of the compulsion to act a certain way or to make a resolution even to kind of, you don't have to crack the whip on yourself so much because you're like, oh, someone's trying to make money off of me. Right, right. And what is the line that you say so frequently that I love that's like a child cannot learn unless they oh, are there no learning happens outside of a warm positive relationship yeah I thought you were gonna say this is my other catchphrase nobody talks that way about my friend Martha not even my friend Martha yeah. and I say that to kids I say that to my family of origin mm-hmm. because we also um have a long line of of 
talking down towards ourselves, not to each other really, Mm -hmm. but then you internalize that, which is something that we're kind of seeing too with resolutions in children is like Martha said, children are always watching. So they're seeing how you talk about yourself. And I can see it in my, the way I talk about myself is the way my parents talk about themselves for better or for worse in both good ways and bad. Um, and so kind of giving your child or the children in your life a leg up of thinking positively about themselves and their bodies and their actions is really a wonderful gift you can give them. It really, really is. And they cannot learn and grow outside of that warm, secure relationship. Absolutely. And it feels, if it feels like they have to be a certain way in order to be deserving of that love, AKA conditional love, AKA conditional love, then yeah, they, they cannot grow. They literally will not be able to meet the goal. Yes. Because they can't change. And they will likely rebel against you for it. Yes. So that's, uh, the Eric Erickson Mm -hmm. crises, right? So if you are forcing them into a specific role, a lot of times they're going to say lovingly, heck no. Heck no, techno. <laughs> they're going to say heck no with their actions, which is much more vulgar than anything I could say in <laughs> real life with words. Um, and that is where you see a lot of power struggling and you see a lot of challenges for children in adult relationships. And many, many times you guys are loving caregivers. You are not doing it because you're like, I hate my kid. I want them to be miserable. You're doing it because you love them and you want them to have a better life. You want them to avoid unnecessary pain or embarrassment or shame or whatever it is. And that is very difficult. And I also want to encourage you. It's okay to let your children feel consequences of actions or experiences or choices. So often we rush in to help because we do see what's about to happen. Right. But sometimes it's good to feel that. And that's hard to do too. And it's hard for us as we make resolutions to be aware of the ways that these can continue to impact us and impact our families for generations. Yes. Um, I am a uh, Bowenian at heart, which talks about intergenerational uh, trauma and the cycles and anxieties that are passed down through the generations. So uh, that is a focus of my work as a therapist now. So you're getting a free session, everybody. Join us. Yeah, join us in. You're going to love it. Um, Yeah, I completely agree with everything you just said. (laughs) Um, And and let's look at something like spending, like one of the goals that I see a lot for caregivers is like, let's get outside more. Sure. Which is an awesome goal. Yeah. Like that, that's great. There are definite benefits to being outside. There's like so many studies that show you that it can be a mild antidepressant even. Yep. Like same effectiveness for mild depression. Again, not anything like excessive, but... Right. That, that's a wonderful thing to do. Mm-hmm. And yet, and yet, <laughs> when used and weaponized, <laughs> not so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And so the how is really important there of, is it that you're having a fight to go outside every day? Is it that you're planning really fun activities? Is it that you have bought the correct clothing to make outdoors a pleasurable experience (laughs) in January, (laughs) which is hard to do you guys, at least where I live and where Martha lives. Yeah. Got to really try hard and believe in yourself and have the proper gear here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, 
it, it is a wonderful goal and also can so easily be weaponized. Yes. And so I say that because so many goals, the how is actually probably the most important yes. part. And like, are you offering your child dignified choice mm-hmm. in this goal? Maybe your child agreed to the goal, but doesn't like the time of day you guys go or right. doesn't like where you guys go. Or you're waking up 30 minutes early so you can get oh, outside boy. before school. Absolutely not. <laughs> not for me. That'd be a 0% chance. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of those things that you need to keep in mind as you are goal setting. And especially if it's more of a you focus goal, mm-hmm. which we obviously recommend against, but if your family's on board and willing to try it, give them choices in it. Like what, what kinds of things do you want to do going outside? Where do you like to go? Should we make scavenger hunts? Should we just spend time in the backyard sitting in rocking chairs? Should we go on a walk? Give them options so Mm -hmm. that they can feel involved and autonomy over the process. Because a lot of times resolutions, goal setting, it makes us feel both powerful and also, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Like, disempowered I guess yeah yeah like you don't have a choice right and that's a very dangerous place to be when you're in the have to's Mm -hmm. especially about something that was something you were excited about before yeah yeah check the shoulds too yes the shoulds and the have to's yes I get to (laughs) we talked about that and I don't remember what episode yeah I think our November the gratitude one yeah Mm -hmm. I get to is a very important language shift Mm -hmm. I get to go outside I get to go on a walk instead of I have to go outside I have to go on a walk I get to go to the gym I get to eat this delicious salad if I'm eating a yeah (laughs) pizza and salad is like my favorite meal you guys I love it it's so good. And I like to eat it. And then I pretend that I'm like, look at this. It's a balanced meal. I, I agree that I think it is a balanced meal. Thank yeah. you, Martha. We can get into body <laughs> stuff next if you wish. Because yeah. it is. There are so many lies we tell us about what we eat. I know Martha and I talk about like moralizing foods and like, mm-hmm. this is a good food. This is a bad food. Uh, we weaponize foods. Um, food is is often used as a reward or a punishment. And that is a very dangerous setup to have in your household. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there are many power struggles around foods because children can control very little, but they can control what goes in their body, what comes out of their body, what goes on their body. And like, is their body moving to the place you've asked them to move to? So there are a lot of power struggles around that. That's something that they usually can control. And again, that's outside of abusive relationships. There right. are things that happen that harm them. Um, so in a normal, loving, caregiving relationship, those are the things kids can control. Yep. And that's why you see trouble around going to the bathroom, mm-hmm. eating, getting dressed, transitioning, going to sleep. sleep. Yep. And if these are problems for you guys, we have a course about this too um, called Preventing Power Struggles and How to Help Once You're in One because yes. you're probably in one right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can find that on our website if you have any curiosity about that. That's CompassionateChildCare.com. Yep, and it will be linked down in the show notes. Oh, dang. So, We're so high tech over here. Yep, it will be down there for you um, because it is, it's a great course and, and covers so much of those daily power struggles. Yeah, and actionable steps that you can do to revise those. I mean... Uh, here's a tidbit you're taller than the kids (laughs) take the clothes that aren't weather appropriate and put them in a different place and let them choose their outfits you know 
That's like some of the stuff that you can find in that course. It's, I think you would find it really valuable. And especially if you're setting up for a resolution around food, oh boy, it's going to be a bumpy ride. Yeah. And maybe we could talk a little bit about that now, if that's okay with you, Martha. I would love that. Yeah. So here, here's our trigger warning again, or content warning. Um, we're going to talk about diets and eating. And a lot of times in January, that is what people focus on is what they are going to put inside their bodies, like mm-hmm. nutritionally or um, sometimes people who are drinking are like, I'm not going to drink for January, things like that. And that's something that you want to be conscientious of about how you're talking to it. Because like we talking about it, because like we said, how you talk to yourself is how your kids will learn to talk to themselves. Yep. It is a hundred percent true. And they also pick up more on how adults talk to each other yep. than how you are necessarily talking to them. Yep. So if you are in the kitchen having a conversation with a friend or relative, another adult about your resolution and your children can hear you, they are tuned into that and absorbing it. And even saying, if it looks like they're not. <laughs> even if it looks like they're not. Even if they're super engrossed in those Legos. Like, they are absorbing it, and they are hearing, oh, adults talk to each other about changing their bodies, mm-hmm. about losing weight, about dieting. Those are the things that when I become an adult, I need to talk about too. Yes, I should be concerned about that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times... Children are, again, even if you're doing your best work as a parent or a caregiver or whoever you are, a teacher, there are, children are absorbing information and they're really great at observing and absorbing and they're not so great Mm -hmm. at interpreting. Yeah. So even things like this food is good for you, right? Mm -hmm. Like what you mean to say is like this food has nutrients that help give you energy. Yep. How much more specific? Candy also gives you energy, my friends. Sure does. And so there's a useful time and place for candy. And mm-hmm. let's talk about that too. You know, like let's let's normalize this for children. Is food is fuel for our mm-hmm. body. Sometimes if your body needs to do something, it needs a specific type of fuel. And that's okay. If I put milk in my gas tank, it probably won't go very far. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if I put gasoline in my gas tank, it will go further. So sometimes you need a different type of fuel. Maybe the car analogy, because it's you probably won't go very far if you put milk in your gas tank anyways. You probably won't go anywhere. Yeah, but it's not very combustible, but you get the idea. <laughs> we, we'll come up with a better analogy very soon. I mean, if you put like a little bit of water in your gas yeah. tank, it also wouldn't go very yeah, far. Yeah, that's true. So it's just trying to give your children a better sense of why we're having food. Food is meant to be social and sustaining. It's supposed to give us energy and it's supposed to be something that is a positive experience (laughs) to share with other people. And so we so infrequently, I think our meals with children look like that. Yeah. Because they're not either pleasant or sociable. They're on their iPads. They're doing different things. They are... um, maybe hating you during the meal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's kind of a tricky spot because a lot of parents are very concerned about nutrition. Yeah. Because they love their kids. Again, they want their kids to be healthy and well cared for. Yes, absolutely. And just to put a little bit of research behind what we're saying, yes. um, I did find some statistics. Hit us with those fun <laughs> facts, Martha. Um, so this is from um, eatingdisorderhope.com. Mm-hmm. Um And in this, they are saying about 24% of children ages three 
to five. That Very is little. Preschool, not even in kindergarten, you guys. Not even in kindergarten. And then it jumps up to 40%. No, 47, almost 50% of children ages six to 10 wow. are anxious about the way they look. Yeah. That's very sad. And I think that speaks to children are not born thinking like, wow, my stomach is fat or, you know, like we don't think that way when we come out. And that's mostly because people who care for us are adoring every part of our little chubby cheeks and our, you know, and that's normal. And I think it's in, I can't remember, is it burnout, Martha? Yeah. That they talk about the BMI. Mm-hmm. And that's like a huge lie that we have told our society. It yeah. was created by, I think it was like 10 people on a board. No, originally it was created by um, an astronomer oh, and, and statistician. Was... And he actually, in his writing, literally said, this should never be used on an individual level. Oh. This is for like comparing whole groups of people like interesting cultural so when statistics. did the diet because i know they said like it was like Bally total fitness and like a bunch of the different diet uh company owners basically and then one doctor i think on like a board of i don't know how many i thought it was 10 but it could be i think that you are right so then yeah. it got adopted by that board industry yeah by that industry yeah. um and then i i believe it was in 1992 that they just dropped all of the levels down. So like overnight without gaining any weight, a lot more people became quote unquote overweight. Interesting. Like literally overnight. And do you want to know when that was? When? It was when diet pills were trying to get. I think I remember it was diet. I I knew there was some diet. Trying to get patents. Yeah. um, And trying to sell more diet pills. And, and again, statistically, also from burnout, they say that it is more unhealthy to be 10 pounds underweight than 10 pounds overweight. No, that, that's it's not more, even it. It's more unhealthy. Five pounds underweight than to 10? be five pounds underweight than up to 70 pounds. No, overweight. see, mm-hmm. that blows my mind. Yep, that's crazy, you guys. It's wild. That's And look at what we're doing to people, everyone. So I hope this is encouraging to you. If you, I'm currently pregnant, everyone. Although at the time this podcast airs, I may no longer be pregnant yeah. because who knows? Who knows? Um, Babies work on their own That's schedule. the other thing is I've, I have never owned a scale, yeah. which I feel very lucky. I have anxiety about other things, but I have never <laughs> owned a scale. Um, and then when I got pregnant, it was like, you're supposed to be gaining weight in a very specific way. And it's also not quite accurate. So I, I've gone to some of these um, birthing classes and read a lot of books. Oh my gosh, I've read so many books. I bet. But they say 25 to 30 pounds is a normal healthy weight. I've currently gained 40, 45, 45 pounds, I think. Um, and I was asking my doctor, I said, are you concerned about my weight gain? And she was like, no, I'm not. Yeah. She was like, we'll watch it, make sure the baby doesn't get too big, but like, I'm not worried. Yeah. Um, I think I'll, I'll end up being 47-ish. Maybe I've gained 43 pounds. I don't know. Yeah. I went from 138 to 170-something, 173 right now. So you guys can check out that math for me. <laughs> 35 pounds? Something like that. Yeah. It doesn't matter is the point. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to continue to gain a pound a week for yeah. the remainder of the pregnancy. And so that's like a weird thing that I've never had to worry about before is like, 
what is my body doing? Is it doing what it needs to be doing? And there's like this weird pressure because everyone was like, you don't even look pregnant. And I was like, people are telling me I'm too little. And then my pregnancy app is telling me I'm gaining weight too fast. And then I'm like, what is, it was very upsetting at first until I was like, you know what? I don't care actually. As long as my baby is healthy and I am healthy, I think that's fine. But not everybody has a doctor who is so supportive. Right. So it's hard to do that. And I think a lot of times people get disqualified at their doctor's office Mm -hmm. if their doctor decides that they think they're overweight, which is a very difficult thing to deal with as well. And if you would like more information about this, the podcast Maintenance Phase is a fantastic resource for this, as is um, Aubrey Gordon's, who is one of the hosts of that podcast. She wrote a book called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. Yeah. And it is a lot of that social justice side of obesity and um, anti-fat Yeah, sentiment. Yeah, it's wild. And how it's super present. She talks, she shares a story about a time that she went into her doctor's office for an ear infection. <laughs> and the doctor said, I can't treat you unless you lose weight. That's insane. And she was like, does that have to do with my ears? Tell me about your Hippocratic <laughs> Oath again. The do no harm part or no. Yeah. So That's wild. Yeah. I also will say there's so many things in like making fat a bad word mm-hmm. like that's not a bad word it's not a bad word it's, it's a descriptive word yes i th- i also think that that's such an interesting thing that we've created that that people are almost embarrassed to say it or have yeah. people say it about themselves to be like yeah that's my fat and it's like we all have fat we need it to survive if you don't have it you will die you would die you will die so <laughs> it's an it's a life-saving thing um and i think people are so quick to be afraid and ashamed because society has made it something scary and taboo and likewise these taboos that we have we we create taboo foods we create mm-hmm. all these things that are like oh i can't have that no it's wrong ice cream ice cream's actually not terrible for you yeah. if it's not like i'm eating eight pints a day you know yeah. it's got calcium in it it has like fats and sugars and your body needs fats and sugars yes. so keep that in mind uh but it's one of those things that when you create a taboo with yourself or with the children in your life, that's going to create a unhealthy relationship and um, disordered eating because yep. then it's going to be like a binge and purge sort of, even if you never purge, you are binging yep. on it when you are emotional or when you feel like you can. So it's very dangerous and creating spaces for all foods, you know, like I think that's such a valuable thing that people forget to do or they're scared to do. Yep. Like Casey Davis, who has been on the podcast before. Oh my gosh, yes. um, Of domestic blisters and struggle care fame. Um, Like she says, food is morally neutral. Yep. So when we say that there are good foods or bad foods, we're assigning a moral judgment for food. Yep. And food is morally neutral. Yes. Does it taste good? Does it help your body go and do the things it needs to do? Then great. Yeah. Does it taste super bad? Then don't eat it. Then don't eat it. Find a different (laughs) way to eat the thing that you might need. The You know, if you need a certain nutrient, like you're iron deficient, find a different way to get iron. You don't have to eat spinach if you hate spinach. And sometimes the food thing is a texture issue as well, which is true for children. And it's true for me as an adult. I'm sure it's true for several of our listeners. There are many things where I'm like, I won't eat this because it reminds me of worms or, you know, which is like so ridiculous, but that's how I feel. And I don't need to argue about it. 
And to keep that in mind for yourself, to give that grace and generosity to yourself, that you can have preferences that doesn't make you picky. I will never, I never call children picky eaters because then they think, oh, I'm a picky eater. And then you've created this, like, I I don't like that. Always talk about your kids, even if they are selective, talk about them as being very brave eaters. You always are interested in trying new things. You might not always like it, but, and again, speak it into the world, you guys, Mm -hmm. and for yourself too, because you are actually modeling, modeling all the time how to have healthy relationships with food. Yep. Yep. And so if you are sitting there, thinking okay martha and katie are you telling me that i should just let my kids eat whatever they want of course not not of quite course that not is quite not. we're 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 adjacent to that no no you should be creating a balanced um nutrition experience for your children and for yourselves by the way yeah and how do we do that we remember the roles we've talked about we talk about it in the power struggles course we've talked about it on the podcast like a hundred billion times mm-hmm. You are the adult. You choose what goes on the plate. Mm -hmm. The child is the eater. They choose what they eat off the plate. And some families modify this rule. So as long as you try one bite Mm -hmm. and then you don't force them to finish it because that's the fastest way to ruin the trust in the system and make them not participate. But studies show that if you try something 11 times in one month, you learn to like it. So because your brain says, I guess this is what we have to eat. So (laughs) I guess I might find this pleasurable now. So giving yourself and your child multiple opportunities to try new foods, cook it up in a different dish, cook the carrots into the rice, have carrots and ranch, you know, shred the carrots, yeah, cut them into fun shapes. Or better yet, if you're lazy like me, and again, not lazy, this is one of the things that I'm working on redoing for myself if you're efficient like me Mm -hmm. because my husband has been like I want our child to not hear you call yourself lazy you're actually very hard working you are and I say it to me is more of like a joke right but if you're efficient like I am then buy the carrots pre-cut in different ways they make them in like the flat carrot Mm -hmm. chips great for scooping great for you know buy them as actual chips like dehydrated chips yeah have them try it many different ways and you try it many different ways and you might find something you really enjoy. And so might the child there's joy in experimentation. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I also think that it can be so important to, well, okay. I, it's also really important that you are eating with your child. Absolutely. That's actually the Modeling. most important Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> piece of this is that you sit down with your child and model it together. Yes. Like, and same with if your resolution is to exercise more. Right. Uh, what does that look like mm-hmm. as a family? Is that playing an intermur- intramural sport right. together? Is that going to the park and playing tag? Exercise does not have to be. <laughs> Like I go to the gym, I do burpees, a hundred of them. You could play tag in the yard. You could go for a walk at sunset. You could, you know, climb up the stairs 10 times together. Just move, have a fake dance party. It's, it's moving your body. So yeah. Oh, the winter as well. It's a good thing for the winter. So keeping in mind that these are different types of reaching your intentions. I'm Mm going to change them from goals and resolute. Yeah. And also, friends, if you set a goal and you talk about setting your goal, then the same part of your brain lights up as if you have achieved your goal. Mm-hmm. So the more you talk about what you're intending to do, the less likely you are to actually do it. 
So if you want to run a marathon, don't talk about it a lot. Just sign up for the marathon and then let that need, that drive, move you towards that intention, right? Yeah. To be an active participant in your own desires. Yeah. Because that is really, for me, that's the why. There's a desire behind the why Mm -hmm. of the goal setting of like the who, the why, and the how. Mm -hmm. What is it? What's the need that you're looking for? And if you can find the need behind it, if it's a negative emotion, try to restate it in a positive way. So if it's like, I feel ashamed of my body or whatever it is, say, I want my body to feel strong and healthy. Yeah. And, and that will make you happier when you're trying to meet that intention. Mm-hmm. So kind of rephrasing in a positive way, that's also a really powerful tool for any time we work with kids to mm-hmm. say what you can do instead of what you can't do. Focus on the positive instead of the negative. Yes, that is. And then I, I remembered what I was reaching for in my brain before is that you said when you call yourself lazy that often it's a joke. I wanted to touch on that yes, really quickly <laughs> because I think that we tell ourselves that a lot. I'm just joking. I'm yeah. just joking yeah. about like Can needing also, to lose weight yeah. or, or whatever it is or that, you know, yeah. I... I am lazy or that I never get off the couch or whatever it is. And just really don't let yourself off the hook for joking because there there's a lot of what we say. Yeah. And also your child will not interpret that as a joke. Yes. When I said (laughs) that, too, I was like, because that is what my husband, David, has said is like our kid will not know that you're joking and I don't want her to think that about you. I don't want her to think you think that about you and I don't want her to think that about her. And mostly I use it in the kitchen. I'm like, I'm a lazy cook, but (laughs) I've worked really hard at being like, I'm an efficient cook. It's because I care. And I really do actually care about efficiency. Like I will buy pre-chopped frozen onions because that is the best invention that anybody has ever made. If I could never chop another onion again, that would be so worth it to me. And it's not that expensive, you guys. You could just order them and like go get them at the grocery store, toss them in the pan. It's like you chopped it yourself. I make chili by dumping salsa and beans into a crock pot with some meat. And everyone's like, this is delicious. And I'm like, it's literally salsa and beans and meat. I think I've had your chili. And it's I, good. It is yes. really good. And that egg bake I make as well. Yes. I was reading a recipe for like a brunch at one point, and um, it was like scramble some eggs, chop up an onion, chop up a red pepper, chop up some tomato. I was like, this is salsa, so I don't know why I would then create my own salsa when I have a jar of it. I'm just going to put some salsa into the eggs and bake it in the oven. And everyone's like, this is so good. I'm like, yes, it's salsa and eggs. You too may have this recipe. You can also make that. Bake until fully cooked. (laughs) That's the recipe. But it's, if you can make things like nutrition or, or a change in your life that a small, easy baby change Like, I'm going to change this one word. I'm not going to call myself lazy or I'm going to floss this one tooth or Mm -hmm. I'm going to make, I'm going to put one pillow in its place at the start of the day instead of making the bed, you know, I'm going to make sure I go stand outside once a day. Yes. (laughs) For a minute. For one minute. Yes. I will be out, out, outdoors once per day. Yes. (laughs) It'll be great. Yep. And I think you'll find that as you do that that pleasure center will start going off for you. Mm -hmm. And then the intention is actually becoming a reality because you're coming from it or you're coming at it from a place of 
joy and ease instead of force. And when you're trying to force something to happen, we resist it. It, It's natural for us to want to rebel against it, both children and adults. So if you can come at anything from a place of joy and choice, you're far more successful in achieving what you're trying to achieve, whether it's here with these intentions, which we will we will also refer to as resolutions and goals, but I'm, I'm now against it starting now. So, but if you can come at these ideas with how you want your life to be from a place of joy, you're going to be more successful and your children are going to be more likely to participate. And so will you. Yes. Yes. And like we were saying before, like when it tips over into a constant power struggle, you really just got to take stock of like, yep, unplug it, <laughs> unplug it, stop feeding the power. It takes two to power struggle. It does. Yeah, it does. Drop the rope, drop, drop, drop your man. end of the rope. We talked about this in the boundaries episode too. Like, just don't catch the ball. If yep. the ball is thrown to you and it's not your ball, just let the ball go right past you. Right past your just head. Just let it fall to the ground. It's not your ball to catch. Yep. And that's very hard. That's hard for me as a person. Cause I, I tend to be overly helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, out of a place of love. Yep. And that's something that I think is not always loving to the people around me yeah. is to help them too much. And so whether I'm working with the kids in the classroom I work in or whether I'm working in um, my personal relationships with my loved ones. Yeah. So. And it comes from such a lovely place. Sure. Um, but yes, it is. A lot of things do. A lot of things do. <laughs> I um, am getting certified in play therapy right now. And so I uh, we watch tapes of me doing therapy with children. And the feedback I have gotten most consistently from my supervisor is like, why did you help just then? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> because I have to talk to my therapist about it first. So, yeah. 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 Like why did they, they were fine. Yeah. They had it yeah. and you jumped in and rescued them yeah. and you didn't need to. Yep. And I'm like, yep. This is why I'm paying you to yeah, supervise this me. This is working out great. Because <laughs> yeah. I do that. So Yeah. I yeah. my biggest thing that I notice, this is like true confessions of Martha and Katie. I love it. I see myself in the classroom. It's efficiency. Mm-hmm. If a kid is lagging behind or trying to get work done and they have a lot of work to do, I will take out the page for them. I'll open it up. I'll give right. them the pencil. When it's like, I'm actually robbing them of of problem solving skills by doing that. So today I've actively was like, do not reach for the pencil. You mm-hmm. will not hand a single child a pencil today unless it falls on the ground next to you. And then that's fine. Yep. But they're responsible. They need to be responsible for taking out their own materials. And it's hard to do that. So that's my intention I'm setting for myself moving into this same new I love year. that we have yes. the same intention. <laughs> and perhaps that's your intention too, listeners, is I'm not going to help as much because yeah. when we do, we, gosh, we love our kids so much. We, love we them. help them more than they need. Yeah. And again, like I said, and Martha said, we're actually robbing them of that experience of learning how to solve their own problems, which makes them feel powerful if they can learn that. So to be a problem solver is a wonderful thing to be. It makes you feel good about yourself. Yeah. 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 Do less. Yes. And one more <laughs> note that I I wish to say about food specifically. Yes. We talk about this a lot. I work at Chicago Public Schools um, a lot. There's a lot of focus on being a healthy school. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think there's some some classism that's naturally built into 
a quote healthy end quote school. Oh yes. Because of the food quality. Mm-hmm. And some kids, if they bring a like a bag of chips and a soda and a, a Twinkie, mm-hmm. maybe that's because that's what their family could afford. And yep. Casey Davis in How to Keep House While Drowning, calories in are always more ethical than no calories at all because you can't eat organic or you can't eat fruits and vegetables right now. So please keep in mind... I mean, it's very difficult for us as humans, for ourselves, and for us as humans, as adults who care for children, to keep that in mind. Calories in are always more ethical than no calories at all. So try to withhold your judgment of either the parents or the adults, because also you don't know what people are are going through financially, even if they have a very expensive car, Mm -hmm. perhaps that's all financed and they are drowning in payments for it. Right. And so they have to shop for food at the dollar store or Or what's going on time wise. Cause it, they could be very financially successful, but they're caring for two grandparents who are struggling with cancer or whatever it is like, and their kids and their spouse and and their spouse. And like, and they work (laughs) shelf stable foods are like literally all they have time for right then so it you you have no idea what's going on yes but (laughs) and you making a comment about it is not going to impact them really at all unless they overhear it yeah but it will impact your child who is right next to you yes who will overhear it? They will internalize the shame. Mm-hmm. So it's. I just wanted to add that notice because it is hard to. It's hard to see the kids because some of them you can tell they can tell. Yep. Um, and that's very difficult. And there are so many children who have less, and there are so many children who have more, mm-hmm. and they gain different skills from that. There are many children who even who are from like working class families or the working poorest, sometimes they're referred to, they have a lot of dignity and joy and, and happiness in their lives. They just don't have as much as physical like food or maybe like types of food that are similar to your experiences or they don't go to the same restaurants or they don't have the same clothing brands or their clothing is used. It doesn't mean that they're neglected or poorly taken care of. It means their family is doing the best they can. And aren't we all really doing the best we can? I think we are. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think that that's a really good point about, um, commenting on other people's bodies in general. Yeah. Um, don't say anything. Just don't say anything. You don't need to. Because no matter, complimenting them. no matter what it is, because yeah. even like you've lost weight, you look so good. Yeah, that implies you that did not look good before. It implies you look good before. It also often when people have lost a great deal of weight, it is because of something bad. Yeah. An illness, grieving. Yeah. Um, Cancer. Depression. Yeah. yeah. Like a lot of times harmful dieting. Yes. Harmful dieting. Like a lot of times that's not coming from a place of health. It's coming from something that is tragic in their lives. And by you pointing that out to them, (laughs) it's really hard. And your kids also hear it. Yeah. I had a a friend who she said she, I was officiating her wedding. My Mm -hmm. other friend, Martha. Yeah. I got two. And every time (laughs) I talk about one, they're like, which one, Martha, (laughs) which Martha? Um, 
So my other friend, Martha, I was officiating her wedding. I was probably six months pregnant. Mm -hmm. Um, and I walked up to her. She's like, you don't even look pregnant. She's like, that's, she was like, you look so good. You don't even look pregnant. She's like, that's terrible. I, I should never have said that. I'm so sorry. And I didn't think anything of it because I've heard it literally so many times. Right. Um, I would not even know you're pregnant. And it's like, I, again, I've put on like 35 pounds. Yeah. I'm tall. So it's spread out. <laughs> it's like up and down my whole body perhaps, right. but it's also like, that's, it's, it's just so interesting to me how much people are like focused on how you look when you're, when you're going through any kind of change. And yeah. so being conscientious and also I will say being pregnant, listen to your body. If your body is craving something, there's probably a nutrient that you need. And if you're craving like ice cream and cookies and your body is like, we need fat, we need sugar because we are maybe crashing right now, yeah. blood sugar wise. And that is how we get it the fastest. Mm -hmm. So thinking about that, if you're trying to avoid, if your intention is to avoid eating a pint of Ben and Jerry's a day, which again, a pint is pretty small, I would say yeah. it's only 16 <laughs> ounces, but whatever. Um, then give yourself small snacks through the day. Yeah. Yeah. Choose, choose different choices if that's what you want, but also know that if your body is craving something, you, sh you should feel a little bit okay giving it to it as long as it's not like an illicit drug or poison Yeah. to be like, and even sometimes people who are craving a beer, yes, that is poison we drink for fun. And additionally, it's got yeast. It's got uh, lots of sugar content in there. It's got like, there are things that your carbohydrates that your body needs. Right. And if that's how your body knows it can metabolize it the fastest, it's going to ask for that. They give you beer when you finish a marathon. Yeah. Because you need to replace your carbohydrates. So keep in mind, people, that your body is trying to communicate with you yeah. about what it wants and needs. And I'm pretty sure your brain can only use glucose. Yeah. I think, I think that's that fact. true. Yeah. I think that's a fact, y'all. We think that's a fact. And now Again, you can think it's a fact. Fact, fact check, check us. us. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's why it's like if you're crashing blood sugar wise, have a, have a piece of candy. Who cares? Yeah. Your brain needs it to stay alive. So. Yes. Your whole body needs yes. it to stay alive. Yeah. And then also with children, their bodies are going to fluctuate in in weight. And sometimes, you know, they grow out before they grow up. Yep. And their bodies in particular need a lot more. Yeah. Like energy yeah. to do everything. Their brains are completely rewiring yeah. a lot of the time. Like there's a lot going on. And so just being conscious of if your child is craving something over and over and over, and it is a food that feels worrying to you, check, check your ego on that. Yeah. And also think about other ways to meet that need. Yes. Throughout the day. Yes. So that we're not getting to 8 PM and starving yes or really wanting a sweet or right. whatever it is and there's so many times again this is out of necessity of being pregnant where it's like it's 11 p.m and i don't want to drive to the store and i'm craving this thing what nutrients are in this thing that my body is asking me for yep. and then do i have anything adjacent to that i'm going to try to meet the need with that mm -hmm. and if it doesn't go away i'm going to go get the thing that i want or have it sent to me or you know 
But first seeing if you can meet that need with what you have available to you or something, maybe even something different. Mm -hmm. Like if you're craving for me, it's like, I'm usually like, I need pizza. And I'm like, what is in pizza? Carbohydrates (laughs) and protein and vitamin C. Can I eat those things? And see if that craving goes away. And usually it does. Yeah. So again, and I have no shame ordering pizza, you guys. I no, do it at yeah. least once a week. So at least that's showing great restraint. <laughs> um, but that's something that to be aware of, like if you don't have it readily available or you are concerned about it as a caregiver, to find a different way to see if you can meet that craving. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um and also sometimes it's okay to just have the ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> and and to celebrate. Food yeah. is meant to be, again, social and sustaining. Yep. And it should be a pleasurable experience. So don't feel like you can't celebrate with food. Yeah. Am I trying to achieve perfectionism here? Because that is impossible. Something that you, when you said perfectionism, mm-hmm. that popped into my brain which I think is very valuable. I don't know if somebody else has ever said this before. I'm sure somebody's thought of it. Perfectionism is protectionism. We're trying yeah. to protect ourselves from ridicule or shame or feeling a certain way. And when you are doing that, trying to be above reproach, it's a very hard way to live because you're actually not above reproach because you're reproaching yourself all the time. All the time. You're harassing yourself in your brain. You're cracking your own whip and you are the person who is making yourself miserable more than other people might in your life. Yeah. So, and you have to spend all day with you. Yeah. All you day. Get to spend Le- all you day with get you. To, lucky. <laughs> we wish we could spend all day with you. We do. Cause you're compassionate caregivers and we love you. Yes, we do. That's a lovely place to end. Goodbye, everybody. Get out of here. <laughs> no, go, go on now. I do. <laughs> Harry I, and the Hendersons. <laughs> we don't want you anymore. <laughs> I, I sincerely appreciate that you're still here listening with us. It, it means the world mm-hmm. um, to have you. We really, we know how much you care about the children in your life, how much you care about your other caregivers and, and yourself, even though mm-hmm. it can be hard to care about all three of those people yes. uh, or types of people at any given moment in time. And it's hard work what you do. And you are in there. You're fighting the good fight. You have endurance. You're strong. You're capable. And we are so, so impressed with you. And so if you need support or you want support or you just are like, man, I could really talk to somebody about this, please yep. write in. We would love to be connected to you. Um, and we hope that you feel connected to yourself a little bit more after this episode. We do. We do. And happy new year, everyone. We are so happy to have you. Bye, y'all. The Compassionate Caregiver Podcast is produced and hosted by Katie Anderson and Martha Tyler. If you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, please consider becoming a Patreon member. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Compassionate Caregiver Pod and on Twitter at C Childcare LLC. To contact us, email hello at compassionatechildcare.com. As always, thanks for listening.